0: Welcome to What's Good Under the Hood. And here we go. Another fine installment of What's Good Under the Hood. My name's Andy Woods. Top right-hand corner under the Fox Sports Radio banner. Rob Sanders and Greg Hood. Opposite of Rob, owner of Mazda of Columbia. His website address, Mazda of Columbia, prominently displayed right beside his name. What's up, fellas?
1: I'm a marketing genius. Can you tell You are. Me? That is amazing. I put that in there. Well, I, I've,
2: I've got issues because uh, I, I, I've decided that after we're done with this podcast, I'm going to go over to Greg and we're going to fight because he has made me take off my hat to show off my face. I don't want people seeing my face. You are beautiful. We're, we're, we're going to fight really, when the show's over. You're a I'm handsome devil. You. Yep. You That's look gonna good. That's going to happen. So yep. I'm trying. All right. Let's well, go. I, well, here's the thing, man. I was, uh, you know, we've had issues with hurricanes rolling through New Orleans and there's, there's hurricanes seems to be brewing all the time, but there's going to be cars that end up getting flooded. How can you possibly avoid getting one of those flooded cars?
1: Well, you got to look, here's what I'll tell you. And this really sounds um, like kind of a dealer pitch, but one of the things that when you happens, if you buy a car from a dealer instead of a private party is you're kind of protected against that kind of stuff. I mean, they're looking, there's ways to see you can see water lines in cars. You can, there's mold, there's all kinds of ways to determine that a car's <clears> gotten, gotten wet. If they've been in salt water, you'll know it pretty darn quick. But if they're in fresh water, it's a little less apparent. Um, and it doesn't always ruin everything if it's in fresh water. But that being said, is once one gets right about above the door sill coming in. Um, uh, you can kind of kiss it goodbye. A lot of them have computers and stuff that are down on the floorboards underneath the seat and all that kind of jazz, but you know, you just take a hard look at a car. You can look on the inside of the far, firewall. You can look down. People don't bend down and look where the pedals are. They just don't look around. When I go out to appraise a car, I'm taking a pretty hard look at it. You open the trunk and you look around and look for signs of some kind of moisture that was in there. And that's a pretty good indicator. I mean, a lot of times cars will show moisture because they have a bad seal around a trunk, but if you see something, start looking you might figure it out but dealers when they put it up on the rack when they're doing an inspection and i'm not talking about you know joe's used car lot i'm talking about franchise new car dealers no matter what they are we're all looking for that kind of stuff because we don't want to sell that kind of car it ends up being a nightmare
0: smell test too if it smells like fish means it's been in the ocean (laughs) exactly (laughs) just a thought
1: if you use it for fishing (laughs)
0: <laughs> or, or somebody works at captain d's oh and my god that's nasty every... <laughs> <laughs> captain d's is not that bad you got the little you get the little place on I, the i've you never the crunchy
1: I, things. in my whole life i've never eaten at captain d's i we drove through what no seriously about a year not even a year ago i drove in the parking lot drove up to the thing because i just wanted to see what they had and i quickly drove off because their sign
0: there. their sign says it it's a great little seafood place
1: and I don't like seafood that much. How about that? So, these. so we're good. All right. What was your other question you had for me, Rob? Well,
2: we were, we were uh, talking about the whole thing with the flooding and stuff, but you know, what has been the impact on the automotive industry due to the coronavirus? Because it's hampered a lot of uh, industries around the country, but uh, is, is the automotive industry taking a beating because of this?
1: Yeah, I mean, yes, it is from this uh, perspective, we don't have any cars to sell, that's for one, but it's created uh, other issues, and one is that um, fleet companies are not able to buy new cars like they used to, and a percentage of, a fairly large percentage, I mean, I would say probably 7% or more, of a man, and I could be wrong on that number, but I think I'm right, uh, would be of a manufacturer's. You know, numbers of vehicles they move in a year would be fleet. Um, it really severely impacted the rental car business. A couple things happened. So I was in Florida when the pandemic started, and a really interesting story was as soon as everybody quit flying, um, that Rob's taking off his headphones. He looks good though. We can talk <laughs> he, about it. Yeah, he won't hear us. But anyway, as soon as uh, is the, the people stopped flying, rental cars didn't move. And down in Florida, in Fort Myers in particular, um, that area is full of rental cars because it's a tourist area. So between there and Naples and everything. So they've got these rental car agencies that are at uh, the Florida airport. So what they did, in everybody's wisdom, because they had all of a sudden had thousands of cars that were not being rented out, they went and parked them in a field on on the side of the airport. And thirty nine hundred and ninety-one cars burned in this field on the side of the airport. I think because somebody left one running, and the catalytic converter caught the grass on fire, and the grass on fire caught the one on next to it, and then so it was a hundred million dollars in the carbecue. That is very good. But um, so, and it was kind of, it wasn't just one uh, rental car company. It was, I think it was Enterprise. I know Hertz had quite a few. And Hertz, then of course, then just went right in the crapper because their whole business model was collapsing as they went. But then what happened is then, so they lost 3,991 cars in that event. Then they weren't renting cars for a while. So they started selling stuff off. And now they don't have any cars to really replace them with. So what happened? The cost of rental cars have gone up significantly. They can't get their hands on what they need. They're buying. I've seen some uh, places are buying rental car agencies are buying them at auctions. Um, you know, we have fleet companies that are now coming and buying used cars from us for their customers. Uh, we have a company called Wheels Inc. that does uh, that kind of leasing to companies. And they came and bought a Jeep from us the other day, a Grand Cherokee. So, um, and it was a 2019 with 45,000 miles on it. So who you know who would have thought that would happen? They would normally go out and get a new car uh, instead of doing that. It had a huge impact. you know it had a huge impact on suppliers. I don't know if you know it, but one out of eight uh, jobs in the United States is somehow tied <clears throat> in some way to the automotive industry. So when we have a problem, uh, everybody has a problem. It's a little yeah. bit a little bit
0: interesting. Did it affect the service department as well because people are not driving as much and not putting as many miles on their car and not getting into accidents as much? Did it affect well, the income I, for the service department as well?
1: I'll tell you where it impacted us. It, you And you, you asked a great question because it was the body shop business that shifted. As soon as the pandemic started, people weren't driving. They weren't commuting to work. They weren't running into each other. And the dealership I ran down south had a body shop and you could have shot a cannon through it. I mean, there was for a month, there was nothing going on. And we were praying for rain and all kinds of stuff. Cause when it rains then people crash into each other, like today, that's um,
0: almost sadistic to be wishing badness well, on people. Well, and, that that doesn't
1: really sound good. Uh, but see. I can get away with it. Now I don't have a body shop, but it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't sound good, but there's, you know, I don't want anybody getting hurt, but I want them to smash that car. But, and here's the next thing that happened. So the second impact to the body shop business was, is it, You know, actuaries are pretty smart, so they sit around and calculate all kinds of stuff of risk. And what they found out, it was easier and cheaper just to total a car than to have to send out somebody uh, and do all the normal gyrations they do in repairing a car. So they were too quick to total them. So if a car had a hard hit, but it wasn't one that would normally total a car, insurance companies said total it. And we're like, wait, we can do the work. No, we're good. And so it it doubled up on the problem of the way the body shops were operating. It was it was painful. So
0: once you total a car, you've got to actually get rid of it. You can't totally get the money and then fix it up a little bit.
1: Well, it depends on the arrangement you make with a uh, insurance company, but you're you have a branded title then on it. As it'll state salvage on it, so it would have less value. But uh, there are people that do it. I mean, if listen, in the uh, interesting story is is that Chrysler. I mean, I'm not sure it was who the company it was mopar they sold a lifetime warranty on vehicles and those lifetime warranties people won't get out of the car they won't sell them so if they now if they come in it's written in the policy if they come in to get their car fixed and they go well the car is it's a three thousand dollar repair we'll just write you a check it's totaled and then they're off the hook on the service contract so even if the car is still reasonably good, it needs that repair. They're just writing a check and getting out of it. So they're, they're paying them off. They're trying any way to unwind that deal of a lifetime warranty.
2: Well, with, with the downturn, though, I mean, is do you think that uh, it's going to get to a point where it rebounds? And uh, what is, what's the thing that from the coronavirus that's going to hamper the industry from now on?
1: well i mean the chip shortage is the biggest thing and it's the shortage of everything that we're seeing i the one thing they were saying we're going to have a tire shortage and so far i haven't seen that and that was probably about eight nine months ago i heard that statement so it would have hit us in the forehead already i i think that i think that what they're eyeballing what may change is dealers I, not
2: explain explain the chip shortage because i don't think everybody knows exactly what that is
1: well there's there's microchips that go in cars and the production of those when What they're blaming it on is that when the coronavirus happened, A, there were shutdowns of plants that manufactured them, but B, because people were staying home, the electronics business went through the roof, had record years, and they were taking chips from that. And then so there's a shortage in general. And supposedly even the chips that that the manufacturers use, I read something, a a headline yesterday, talking about the fact that you know Intel and these other chip manufacturers are saying that the car business is really behind the times and the type of chip that they're requiring they can make ones that are better and more efficiently made but we're we're a little bit behind but that being said that's um that creates an issue but what what we're seeing though is it's and they're talking about i was talking to a a district manager of another brand the other day and she made the comment to me is that we won't see dealers with five or six hundred cars on the ground like we used to you know i mean there were I used to do it too. You know, well, we've got 1300 cars in inventory. So we got the biggest selection. So you should come to us because you're going to find the car that you want on the lot. Well, now that we're getting used to not paying flooring bills and what a flooring bill is when we have a new car on the lot, the bank, we have a bank, a lender, whether it be Wells Fargo in our case, or it might be Kia financial or Toyota motor credit there, they do the flooring. So we, they actually technically own the car. We they pay for it. We pay interest on that money. So the people say, "Well, if you had a bunch of money, why would you not not floor them?" And I, well, in our case, one of the things is they're covered by insurance while the company hasn't floored. So that's kind of all inclusive, and it's another area that lessens the risk and that for us as well. But nonetheless, because our flo- used cars, we own all those, so that's that's different. We don't floor them. But when you're when I'm down to 21 cars on the ground, where I've got. $700,000 in inventory when I normally am running with, you know, 6 million, $7 million worth of cars. And there's some dealers out there that normally carry, you know, 50, $60 million worth of cars. And now all of a sudden they've got three or two. The cost of that money is nothing. I mean, a matter of fact, we get credits and we end up kind of profiting from it. Banks don't like it because uh, those agreements, they never saw this coming. And so they're not lending the money because we don't have that. Well, the pr- problem for them is, is that we're starting to get adjusted in how do, to do business at these levels. We're still doing business. We're still profitable. We're still open. We're still selling cars. Maybe not the volumes we were doing before, but we figured out a way to do it. And so now that we've figured out that way to do it, why not continue to do it <clears> that way so um, we're not, A, devaluing our product because we have so much out there, we're desperate to give it away. And it doesn't hurt the consumer because it keeps the used car prices high, higher. So therefore, they're getting, they may pay a little more initially for it, but they're going to get it in return when they go to trade it in. So our business model may shift. We're going to see what happens. I mean, I think it'll get back to bigger levels of inventory, but not what we saw before.
2: Yeah, that's, I I just think the idea of having that many cars out there is probably something that's gone by the wayside. But do you think that people are going to get to a point too, where they're like, you know what, I don't really like the showroom experience you know i can sit on my couch and be like okay i want this car and sort of get a good look at it and then hey send an email to you and hey i want it and go that route you think people are going to go that route now instead of actually coming to the showroom
1: okay so i have an opinion and my opinion is different than some of the big wheels out there in the automotive world but the answer to that i think is no i think that um, there's a certain percentage. That's where the Carvanas come in, where they're selling stuff online. Um, I think there's a certain percentage of the population that is satisfied with pushing a button and, and buying a car over the internet. But for the most part, if I'm going to buy a car in particular, and I don't care if it's new or used, I want to look at the car before I buy it.
0: I want to know. I want to test drive it
1: too. Well, yeah, I want to know what I'm buying. So you, that you can't really remove that. It was interesting. I'm an audiophile. So... I have a serious stereo issue Um, and I'm a hoarder because I have too much vintage stereo equipment. And when I moved, it was very evident, but I was watching something last night and the guy had a great point is that what happened to high end audio and what happened to it is um, that guys would go into places like um, not Best Buy. I mean, there are, I mean, I can't, there's upstairs audio used to be here in Columbia, but there's a few of them around the country and, and they have super high-end stuff, Macintosh or Mark Levinson or all these really high-end, expensive amplifiers and expensive speakers. And the challenge is, is guys would go in there and they'd listen and they'd look and then they'd go home because they're mooches and they'd get on the internet and they'd buy the same product for, you know, $1,000 cheaper and have it delivered to their home. Well, the problem is now you can't go and find something to listen to. It's, <clears throat> it's a crapshoot of what you buy. So it changed how high-end audio operates, but it really it's also pushed people out of the market in general because they can't hear it and feel it and understand it. And I know when I buy something online, there I have fear. I'm like, what am I gonna, what's this gonna sound like? And then what do I do with it? I gotta box it up and send it back. I mean, that it's there's nothing easy about it. So if you get into that thought process of, well, I can go online and find it after I found it somewhere else to run the dealer out of business who's going to service the car. I mean, people have forgotten they're creating some of their own problems. I just think that the second part of it is, is that touching and feeling is an important part of the experience. And then the last part is, is that we have found that when a customer comes in to buy a car, many times, that's not the car they buy. So they found one online. It was a red one. And, and all of a sudden they pull up and then there's a gray one sitting next to it. I go, Oh, I like that one. And they just completely shift over. It has different options. But I want that one. I decided I want that one. And so online, you're going to, well, you look at that one and then you picked it, even though the gray one was online and it didn't look the same in a picture. It didn't have that same, I don't know, visceral reaction to the car that you get online versus in person. And that changes the dynamic. So I don't, I don't, I see there's a segment that will do that. And I'll give you a last example of that. So when the pandemic started, the manufacturers were pushing us really, really hard to go to online uh, selling because they thought that was going to fix the problem of this stuff that was going on. And so we were, you know, having to spend $1,200, $1,500 a month for a plugin that went on our app that they could go in and actually buy the car. So an interesting thing, I was a general manager, I rent a Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram store and a Kia store. And, um, and we had Maserati Alfa Romeo also, but, I had those things on my website and I, a gentleman came in and he was up from Virginia. He came into his car serviced. He had a uh, house in Naples and he came in to get a service. He was a dealer. He came into my office sat down and was talking to me. And I said, Hey, are you doing any of this online selling? And he goes, yes. I said, really? And he goes in my Subaru store. We don't do any at Chrysler. Totally different customer. So a Subaru customer they don't. They know what they want, and they're. <clears throat> I. They're a little odd. They're different. I mean, you know, pipe smoking, and they wear Birkenstocks. I guess. I mean, there's a kind of a stereotype. But the point is, they know what they want, and they're going after it. So his online selling of that particular vehicle is very high, but he didn't do one transaction in a Chrysler, Dodge, Dodge Jeep, Ram store, and neither did I. So I think that
0: kind of uh, answers the question in a multitude of ways. How about that? How- I want to be at your dealership the day that you, that you have that customer that comes in for the red car, sees the gray car, and you say, no, you've got to go with a red car. That's what you came for, or she can't have a car. Uh, I don't want think to be that there that you day. Ne-
1: you will never be there
0: that day because <laughs> that ain't going to happen, baby. Sorry, you can't have the gray one. Nope. You <laughs> said the red one is what you liked. Yep. Sorry. So sorry. the party's over. You yeah. Get out. Gotta go. You, you got to go. This is yours right now. You got to take it home. Exactly. Okay. Yep. At Mazda of Columbia. They do not act like that, no sir, never. They are such fun people. I love them. I went over to the uh, dealership. Did you guys see this on Instagram where they were cleaning out the building of all the old stuff, and there were a couple of televisions upstairs. There's from uh, up the top floor, and they took them and threw them down. It was it quite an to the showroom floor, and they busted all over the place. That was fun.
1: Well, you don't get to do that very often. You no. Know, you know, you don't don't throw your TV at home. We try not to do that.
2: I like to break things. You should have called me for that. Mm-hmm. I don't know out with that.
0: Well, they're still over there breaking if you want to go help them. You just like to break hearts, Rob. That's what you like to break, buddy.
2: Yeah, sure.
0: What's good under the hood? Greg Hood, Rob Sanders, and me, Andy Woods. Thanks for listening and or watching. Once again, if you're only listening, you can check it out on the Mazda of Columbia YouTube channel.